Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are going to be talking about The Empty Man, which is not exactly a new movie. Normally, I don't do this. Normally, if a movie is already a couple months old or whatever, I kind of just let it slide and just move forward because there's so many new movies to cover. But this is a movie that has started to pick up such a strange cult following it got dumped, and we'll get into this more during the conversation. Joining me for this one is Daryl Armstrong from Rise Up Daily and the Cyber Shorts VR Film Festival. Uh, but yeah, we'll get into it more in the conversation. But this is a movie that was dumped, which is such a weird thing to say, but dumped in theaters during the time when no one could go to the theaters back in October of 2020. Uh, just left to die, basically, when no one was going to be able to see it. Got pretty bad reviews at the time, and then all of a sudden people picked up on how interesting and unique and different it is, and the story has kind of just grown from there, and people just keep talking about this movie, and it's pretty clear that this is a future cult film that people are going to be talking about for a long time, so I didn't want to let it slide. So we are talking about The Empty Man, and uh, before we get to that conversation, uh, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. You can rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. You can follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join the Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And don't forget about our Patreon, where we post advanced episodes of Piecing It Together, bonus content from both Piecing It Together and Awesome Movie Year, uh, bonus content from my music career. I also do these monthly updates, just talking about everything going on in the world of me and everything I'm involved in. So lots of great content over on the Produced by David Rosen Patreon. Check it out at patreon.com slash by David Rosen. And that is uh, what I've got going on. There are a lot of Piecing It Together episodes coming your way, so make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts. And let's get into this conversation about The Empty Man. All right, so this should be a fun one. This is a, uh, a very weird movie that a lot of people have been talking about. And I, even though it's a few weeks old as far as the VOD release is concerned, a few months old as far as the theatrical release is concerned, I couldn't let it slide by. We had to talk about it here on the show. It's The Empty Man. And here to talk about it with me is Daryl Armstrong from Cyber Shorts and Rise Up Daily. Daryl, thanks so much for being here. Great to be here, man. Thank you. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this, and uh, you know, before we get into it, it is your first time on the show, so uh, why don't you tell people a little bit about what it is that you do? Yeah, um, so I I write uh, film reviews, uh, criticism, um, mostly right now on Film Inquiry and Rise Up Daily, uh, which mm -hmm. which I also edit. Uh, I, I've also been working on. Uh, the 88 Names podcast, producing that. Mm -hmm. um, we started that last year as, as a book launch campaign for Matt Ruff uh, for his latest novel, 88 Names. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of become its own beast, gone into a second season. Uh, a lot of fun. We've gotten to talk to um, an Oscar-winning uh, short film director, uh, NASA employees, 
and uh, game designers. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Um, Mike Pondsmith, who was the creator of Cyberpunk, um, which was, was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And uh, so I, I am also the um, uh, co-founder and co-director of uh, Cyber Schwartz Film Festival. Uh, which we started last year. This is going to be our uh, second year. A- an online short film festival uh, based in uh, VR, um, which is a lot of fun. We we started it last year when the lockdown hit yeah. from COVID uh, as, as a way to uh, be able to sh- keep showcasing uh, some short films in a theater-like setting. Yeah, no, it it was fun last year. Um, you know, obviously with my music videos, like going out to film festivals was always a major way for getting my stuff out there. And that was kind of cut off for me. And it's, you know, it's cool. A lot of film festivals going online, you know, they got to do what they got to do. But uh, doing the whole virtual reality aspect definitely was a unique uh, method for doing it. And uh, yeah, it was, it was it was fun checking that out last year and being a part of that. So uh, I, I'm glad you came up with an interesting new way to do film festivals. Yeah, you know, it was just, it, it kind of hit uh, at the right time. And yeah, it, it, it's been fun. We're, we're uh, looking to grow it. May 1st is going to be uh, the date of our festival for this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody can check that out. Uh, go to the website, Cyber Shorts dot online perfect well right on let's talk about the empty man um we're gonna of course get into puzzle pieces and all that in a minute but uh this is one you had messaged me and said hey are you planning on doing a an episode on this movie and at the time i still was interested in the movie i just hadn't gotten around to it yet and i knew that it was starting to kind of grow in its reputation but was this something that you had been kind of following along with or did you just kind of discover it out of nowhere i discovered it uh i i guess it the theatrical release was in october yeah of last which, year which is this weird backwards thing of dumping it to theaters which in the past dumping means streaming or vod or whatever right but because because of covid tur- you know turning everything upside down the theaters was the dumping ground yeah yeah exactly i wasn't aware of it at all until maybe a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had seen uh, people mentioning it, discussing it, um, you know, a, a few people that I follow um, who have tastes similar to, to, to mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, okay, I, I got to check this out. Uh, I watched it and I was like, wow, this did not deserve right. to be done. Yeah. And that seems to be the story around this movie. Um, I, you know, spoiler alert for where I'm going to go with the conversation. I think the movie is a bit of a mixed bag. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely enjoyed parts of it. But regardless of how successful it is as a movie, it did not deserve to be just dumped. And, and I, I just clear that the studio had no idea what to do with it. And there, there is like a whole story out there. There's a, a, a great interview um, with the director. And I mean, this is a movie that the studio put a lot of money into, which these kinds of movies usually don't get that kind of money. And then they took a look at it and said, wow, okay, we don't know what to do with this. And yeah, yeah I, I, it, it's... There's a grand tradition of these kinds of movies, and I don't know if maybe some of them will show up in our puzzle pieces, but, uh, you know, the the weird studio horror that they didn't quite know what they were getting themselves into as they were putting them together. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sure I've, I've got a few puzzle pieces that'll uh, fit in there. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's this kind of uh, film that's a mashup between genres, I think. Sure. And uh, when we see that with film studios, they, they usually don't uh, seem to know what to do with these types of films. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I get that, but I, I think they, they do find an audience and often they kind of push uh, creativity for viewers and, and even, uh, you know, other filmmakers. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, 
You know, one other thing I want to mention before we start jumping into pieces, uh, this was, of course, based on a graphic novel, The Empty Man. And uh, back when I first started on my podcasting journey, when I was first starting piecing it together, you know, obviously as a podcaster, I guessed on a lot of other podcasters to get my name out there. And the first one I guessed it on was called The Comic Concierge, where I was asked to read a comic, and that comic was The Empty Man. And I had no idea what it was. It was my first comic I'd read since I was like probably 12 years old or something, because I'm just not really a comic guy. And yeah, and it was weird that that was you know, eventually turned into a movie. I mean, at the time there were rumors it was going to get turned into a movie, but that, you know, that was like four years ago or something. So yeah, it's really interesting to finally come full circle and the movie ends up happening. And I will say, obviously I was just starting piecing it together out there, you know, there weren't really many listeners at the time, but the, the uh, host of that podcast, you know, he checked out what I was doing with my first couple episodes and he asked me, uh, you know, if this was a movie, what kind of puzzle pieces would I bring up? And even though the movie ended up quite different from the original comic, I think some of those pieces still stand. So they're going to end up on my list. Maybe some of them will be on your list. But, uh, you know, with that said, why don't we start getting into some of those puzzle pieces? What do you got for your first one? Sure. The first puzzle piece I have, uh, Alien. Okay. Uh, the The director, David Pryor, uh, actually uh, started his career working on the isolated score track for the Alien DVD release. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think it fits uh, there. But the, 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 the main part is, is the uh, giant kind of skeletal figure that, that sure. you see at the, the opening uh, of, of this film. Uh, and, and it's interesting, the opening of this film uh, there is a, it's, it's basically like a, a 22 minute, uh, I think it's 22 or 23 minute short film before we even yeah. get to the credits. And, and there's this uh, group of travelers uh, who, who run across this giant kind of skeletal creature. Um, and, and it plays out in this, this opening sequence. Uh, that is pretty standard, I, I think, kind of fantastical horror. Um, yeah. But that 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 skeleton figure, uh, it, it kind of touches on that uncanny valley, right? Where mm. y- you've got a human-like skeleton, but it's it's off. It's, right. it's too right. big. Um, it has this weird kind of rib cage that it's it's almost holding out in front of itself. You know, it's reminiscent of very much, I think, of the space jockey from Alien. Right. Uh, so, and that kind of sets the mood or or the tone for the film. Uh, there, there's this very weird, odd discovery that 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 these these people have made. Yeah, I, I think that that uh, that that skeleton creature definitely in that kind of hr geiger kind of realm of, of mm-hmm. creature design and then also yeah speaking of the space jockey I, I think bringing up alien is a great puzzle piece to kick this off with because you know one of the things that people either like or don't like about this movie the empty man is it is not very interested in giving away all the intricacies of how any of this crap works um <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of secrets to be you know to kind of pawn over for for who knows how long because we'll probably never get a sequel uh we're not going to get six more movies like like ridley scott and his alien universe so i don't think we'll I, mean, ever figure I, I hope not yeah <laughs> i you know i i, I think some movies uh, are better not being fleshed out in in you know half a dozen sequels yeah, pro- probably not. And I, I don't think that there's I don't think there's necessarily room for it. But at the same time, there are so many questions left open. I would assume maybe the comic book series, if you read the whole thing, I read like the first four issues or something like that. Uh, maybe it gets into more of that stuff, although I think it's fairly different, though, like where the actual story goes. So I kind of doubt it. But 
Uh, yeah, leaving so much open-ended, I think, is definitely a hallmark of those those first couple of Alien movies, for sure, before really Scott decided to go back in and explain every last right, thing in a little right. detail. <laughs> so uh, I'll go with my first puzzle piece, which, going right along with you know that whole backstory of this director, this, of course, being his first uh, feature, but having gotten his start in those kind of DVT commentary, special editions and all that stuff, the other big one that is well-known is David Fincher. And so mm. immediately I thought of Seven um, because, you know, dealing with a cop thriller that may or may not have some kind of religious or supernatural angle to it. And mm -hmm. uh, just that that real dark uh, kind of noir-tinged, uh, you know, thriller. And uh, a real big focus on the detective work here, which, you know, uh, of course, you think of Seven, you think of all of the kind of horror aspects. But when it comes down to it, it is a cop mystery, basically. Uh, it just happens to have a lot of those aspects to it. And, you know, both have a lot of horrific imagery, you know, mixed in. You're not just getting a standard cop, you know, movie, but they both come from that same kind of a place. And I kind of think like Seven is kind of the gold standard for that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. It, it, certainly in, in modern film, that, that this neo-noir aspect, which is, is a big part of this film... Um, and, and specifically, you know, you mentioned, you know, Seven being centered around a, a almost cop kind of procedural uh, yeah. type of uh, film. But this, I, I think, surprised people going into it and, and probably why the, the, the studio didn't really know what to do is because it has so much of this neo-noir framework that it's it's built around it it has the horror elements it's 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 a mishmash yeah it very much is and and it was advertised i feel like like a uh, a teen slasher or something totally like that. you know the empty man was like a slasher character or something like that and yeah and then just to kind of jump back to what you were saying about that 23 minute intro which is like its own other thing that's not this this you know, cop procedural thing. So it's like, there's a lot going on here, a lot at play. And I think that makes for a really rich movie experience. And I think that's why people are kind of connecting with it because people kind of tend to like when you get this kind of mixture of tones. Yeah. The, the, the director, David Pryor, um, you know, I, I think he was swinging for the fences here yeah. and, you know, he, he has said, uh, you, you were talking about the comic that it was based off of and, you know, he has said it is not, you know, flat out. It's not a direct uh, adaptation of the comic. Mm -hmm. It's it's its own thing. It, it It's more like something, a story based on the original material. Right. Absolutely. So uh, let's move on to another piece. What do you got next? Uh, so next, uh, and going back to uh, Pryor's previous work, he actually... Uh, worked on the special edition release of a film called Ravenous, okay. um, which when I saw that originally, gosh, I, I mean, it was probably 15 years ago. It, it kind of blew my mind. Um, again, it's one of these films that starts in one direction and you think you're watching a certain type of story and then just, throws a curveball and you go down this this you know left turn um it, ravenous starts as as a uh, military western um set during the mexican-american war mm -hmm. and you know you think you have this kind of western kind of movie going on and then it turns into this uh, cannibal horror film, right? <laughs> and you're like, what is going on? So, yeah, Pryor, the the director, Pryor had had worked on the uh, special edition release of of this. Uh, so I, I I definitely think this type of filmmaking is, you know, something that probably has has worked his way into you know his, his own work and views as a director 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that he, by looking at these kinds of masters of mixing genres, he was able to kind of, you know, say like, you know what? I know this is my first film, but screw it. I could do that too. Like, yeah, I, 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 I trust my audience to, to uh, join me for this ride, no matter how crazy it gets. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, he, like I said, you know, I, I think he swing, he was swinging for the fences here. Definitely. And, you know, sometimes people don't know how to interpret that. Uh, critics, mm-hmm. uh, film viewers, the studios. But, you know, I, I think it's a very solid outing. And, and I think this definitely has the potential to become a, a kind of cult film. Like, definitely. Like Ravenous was. No, definitely. And great piece there. Uh, I'm going to go to another puzzle piece, and this one is not actually a movie, although there are movie versions of this, but I, I'm, I'm going to go with, and this is going to open up uh, a lot of spoilers into where this movie goes, uh, but I'm going to talk for a second about The Secret uh, and the Law of Attraction oh, that is a wow. part of that whole thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this, no, movie, this is great. Yeah, I mean, this movie, uh, The Empty Man, is essentially the dark, dark, dark end of what could happen for someone who is very deep into the secret and the law of attraction. If you take the idea of manifesting things into being, which is, you know, a very positive idea and, you know, has led to a lot of, you know, self-help that helps a lot of people along the way, but if you take that and transcribe it onto cults and people trying to communicate through demons and whatever the hell else is happening in this movie. And by the way, I should say, I never do this, but after I watched this movie, I watched one of those uh, explainer YouTube videos because I was oh. like, I, I need a little more. I, nice. I am not, I am not going into this conversation without getting, uh, getting this a little bit spoon fed to me because I definitely need something. And I got to say, it didn't give me shit watching that explainer i was was in the exact same spot where i was when i started Uh, i think i picked up on everything this movie is willing to give us and it's just you know you you kind of gotta you gotta go from there and just figure it out for yourself um but yeah there there appears to be a a major major twist and of course spoiler alert we always talk spoilers here on the podcast but the protagonist of this movie has essentially been conjured into being by by the the bad guys of the movie by by this cult that he is investigating they basically conjured him into being with a, a completely uh imagined past like created past uh just so he can investigate them and then get tricked kind of into being the conduit for this this demonic evil man force thing i think i'm basically getting <laughs> Right, but yeah, it's yeah. so it's so hard. But uh, but yeah, all this is possible thanks to the the power of positive thinking and manifesting <laughs> uh, manifesting what you want to see happen in the world. Yeah, totally. That that's that's such a great. I I wasn't even thinking about like I have a few puzzle pieces coming up that that kind of address this, but mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking about that. And I think that's a great uh, kind of left field thing to pull in here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because sometimes it, it, it's necessary. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's totally that uh, kind of philosophy kind of spun to the worst possible end. Exactly. Which is uh, a, a pretty funny path for a movie to take. And I mean, it, it's definitely, you said earlier, swinging for the fences. Uh, this guy is swinging for the fences with some of the ideas in this movie, for sure. But yeah, what do you got for your next piece? So next piece, and I think this kind of leads into it, uh, Under the Silver Lake. Sure. Which is, again, another film that just is a mishmash kind of of genres. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's very much rooted in the uh, neo-noir kind of mystery set in a you know 21st century setting. There's the, and this is a spoiler for Under the Silver Lake as well, but th- there's this mysterious, sinister cult that's, that's mm-hmm. working, you know, in the background um, of both films. There's the search for a missing girl mm-hmm. uh, that kind of drives the narrative of both stories. And it, it, it's kind of 
I, I think it's it's of a I, I think it would make a very interesting double feature. Yeah. You know, one is kind of leans into the 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 horror aspect uh with the empty man. Under the Silver Lake is is a bit more traditionally noirish. Sure. Um but yeah, yeah, I I, I think this is a, a type of film that would would benefit from from that. Um, you were saying you you looked up an explainer. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that for Under the Silver Lake, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you know, it, it's just it it it's kind of that almost a mood more than necessarily a, a narrative that has perfect explanation. It, it's sure, it's yeah. creating that 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 mood no yeah absolutely they're they're both movies that would benefit from multiple viewings they're movies that you're i i'm sorry but no matter who you are you're not going to get every last little detail off that that first viewing there's just too much that is uh you know not either not explained or just not uh explained in a way that kind of reveals itself at first. Like it's, it, it requires that extra thought and extra going back in. And is it all even there in the first place? Who knows? But, um, right. You know, certainly, certainly with a lot of, with a lot of thought and a, a lot of, uh, pondering on what exactly is going on, you can, you can get to it. Uh, but definitely they're, they're made in very cumbersome, strange ways to, to kind of get you just as stuck in the narrative as the main characters of these movies, which is an interesting thing as well. But uh, yeah, under, under the silver lake is a great piece to bring up. The, the, the other thing, uh, similarity that I was thinking about was they both at maybe about two thirds of the way through the movie. Uh, the protagonist has a conversation with an older in, in the empty man's case, uh, cult leader uh, played by mm-hmm. Stephen Root, uh, who, is just always amazing. Oh, he's great. <laughs> um, I, you, you know, whenever I see a movie uh, and know that he's going to be in it, I'm going to like, well, there's at least a few scenes I'm going to like because he's yeah. just so much fun to, to watch. And in Under the Silver Lake, uh, we had uh, Garfield's character met the songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it, it was both, both of them had these conversations with these people who have more information but leave you guessing as as an audience member it it, it gives you just a little bit of a tease to what's to come yeah i like how both of those examples could have just been big exposition dumps with like yeah just spelling out every last thing but they go the opposite direction and just keep you just as confused but give you a lot more clues along the way Totally. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Right. Um, Well, uh, I'll go on to another puzzle piece. And this is one um, that fits squarely into what I was talking about earlier with the big budget film that, you know, the studio puts a lot of money into and then they see the final cut and they're like, what the hell did we just bankroll? Uh, That's the film A Cure for Wellness. Uh, from a few years ago yeah that's great yeah this is an interesting movie and i think is going to kind of i think this movie the empty man is going to carve out a similar path as far as you know cult big budget horror films are concerned this is a movie with a lot of you know fairly big not huge stars but like known stars and and a known director and good effects and some really interesting ideas but for better or worse it absolutely has zero intention of holding your hands, zero intention of explaining itself along the way. And I think most people left the theater just scratching their head like, what the hell is that? And, you know, these are movies that really have to trust their audience, that the audience is going to care enough to follow along, uh, be confused, be confounded, but still be willing to ask questions after the fact and try to figure it out. And I think horror in general is the place to do that kind of thing. I don't think you're going to see many uh, dramas or comedies that, that are like straightforward and and try to, you know, uh, try to confuse you in that kind of way. Try try to make you ask more questions in that kind of way. I think weird culty horror movies is where it's at for that to happen. Yeah, it, it, it's almost like they're, they're the type of movie that expects you to want to watch it again. It, yeah. it has that built-in rewatchability factor. 
right? And it's a gamble, but it it's when 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 it's done right though, it that's where cult films are born, I think. Totally. Yeah. 100% agree. Yeah, that that's a great one. It didn't occur to me, but as soon as you said it, yeah. Well, uh what do you got for your next one? Uh so next one is is another uh cult film. Uh I I'm not sure really how many people are familiar with it. Hill List. This was a 2011 film by British director Ben Wheatley, mm-hmm. who's who's gotten uh, a lot more work recently. He actually has a new film out right now it, in the earth. In the in the earth, it comes out in in April. Yeah, I actually just got to watch it the other day. It's uh, really good, really weird. Yeah. Uh, so, have you seen Kill List? I actually haven't. No, it's like kind of at the top of my watch list after having watched In the Earth. I'm like, I need to finally catch up with this because I know a lot of people have talked about this movie. Okay, yeah. So again, it's it's another example of a film that you start watching it and you think this is a film about basically two hitmen. And mm-hmm. you know, the the kill list is is the job that they have. They have they have three people to kill. And then it 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 just it gives it throws the curveball and there's this scene in the empty man where uh james badge dale's character finds uh the cabin uh that that this cult has in in the woods and, and goes to investigate it trying to trying to find this um girl that he's he's uh, searching for yeah and he winds up observing this this cultish ritual, and there's just this kind of amazing moment in the film that I, probably my favorite moment in the film, where he's watching them from like across a little stream or whatever in in this woods, and they begin to react to him. Yeah. And, you know, at, at first, you as an audience member, and, and you assume it's the character, he's thinking, you know, they haven't seen me. And then they start moving toward him. Yeah. And he just goes, oh, hell no, and books it. <laughs> yeah. um, which was just, just such, a, such a fun moment that, that kind of made him human as a character, right? Because... Mm-hmm. You know, imagine yourself in that situation. You'd be like, nope, I'm out, right? Yeah. So toward the end of Kill List, uh, there is a, a very similar scene. When I watched The Empty Man, I was like, oh, this reminds me of, of this scene from Kill List. Uh, and I actually went back and watched it last night. And yeah, it, 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 it's just this great moment where you know, you think the story is going one direction and it just, it just goes somewhere you don't expect. Mm-hmm. And, and it's great. And, and you know, you know, there, there's other similar films like this, the wicker man, you know, mm-hmm. um, who, who have this similar, uh, type of setup and, and payoff. Um, but Hill list, I think was the one that, that really stood out to me. In, in comparing those scenes. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. And yeah, that, that scene is, uh, that, that's pretty great. That, that is how any of us, I think, would react in that situation. And I, I feel like that is the kind of moment that only a first-time filmmaker who is just like a lover of these kinds of movies would put in their own movie. You know, it's like, yeah. they're just like kind of like an outsider looking in at filmmaking, you know? Yeah, yeah, and and just being able to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Totally. I love it. Yep. All right, I'm going to go on to another piece here, and I mentioned that parts of this movie are kind of like your traditional kind of horror slasher movie, but then, of course, all these other parts are totally different. The trailer sold it on kind of being that kind of movie, even though it definitely isn't, aside from little aspects here and there. But those aspects, I wanted to include one kind of traditional slasher movie in my puzzle piece list. And I almost didn't include this because I haven't seen it since high school. It's actually on my rewatch list because of the 
uh, reboot that's coming out later this year. Uh, that is Candy Man. Candy Man. Yep, absolutely. And the Empty Man has this strange little ritual that will make him come kill you, even though he's not a him and it's not a thing. And it's like it's really just a total misdirect. Um, but yeah. it's still the the way it's presented in the film, though. It's like you blow in a bottle, you think really hard about the Empty Man. And then it comes and kills you. And the teens all know about this and they pass it off as urban legend. And of course they do it anyway, because, you know, that's what teenagers in these kinds of movies do. And that whole sequence really doesn't have much to do with where the plot goes and what the story is trying to tell. It's just there to kind of build up this, uh, I guess world building, like to build up this whole yeah. thing of the empty man being a thing people know about a lot, you know, uh, with throughout this world. And so it's, like I said, very different from a movie like Candyman, but just having those rules and that whole urban legend that, that people kind of test themselves with because they love to be scared. I thought that he's a good example. Totally. Well, I, you know, and, and the, uh, the trailer leans heavily into the, yeah, which, you know, I, I, and I get, you know, when you watch a trailer, you think, okay, you know, this looks like a type of movie I want to see, but this has that element, but it is part of, uh, as you said, uh, world building. Mm -hmm. And and as we learned throughout the film, this cult has, has actually built this script for the main character. Mm -hmm. So it is, it, it is like, you know, meta. Yeah. Where it is world building both for viewers, but it is also world building for our main character, our our protagonist right. uh, within the the film itself. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So you know, and it makes sense. Like you know, if I'm part of a cult that is, you know, manifesting this 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 person that I need to give a backstory to. This is perfect, right? It's, yeah. It's something we, we were familiar with through Candyman, through, you know, that idea, you know, you, you say a creature's name or a demon's name, you know, three times and they, they appear. So it, it, it definitely is, um, I, I think, a very smart way of, of world building that you only understand is designed specifically for the character at the end of the film. Yeah. You, you might not even understand that until 37 minutes into your podcast recording on the, on the yeah. film. And that's, that's, that's when this guy gets right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm appreciating this movie more as we talk about it. <laughs> it definitely, it, you know, it, it pulls from that, that, that slasher monster demon tradition. Yeah. That we all know, you know. Absolutely, yeah. And and since since we all know it, we can all kind of put those pieces together and kind of connect the dots between, you know, who this character is without actually seeing every last bit of the scene. He doesn't have to solve the crimes. He just needs to be a crime solver. And it's like, oh, we've seen this kind yeah. of movie. We know what kind of guy this is. And then it, it, it smartly, you know, pulls the rug out from under that. Yes. You know, just the, the structure of the film... You know, it's this mishmash. It it goes in, you know, takes, you know, left turns somewhat out of nowhere. Uh, but I think it was actually really smartly constructed. And I, I think more viewings will play that out. I don't know. I we'll we'll so see. I, I've, I've only watched it twice. But yeah. Twice is more than uh, most movies. So, you know, oh, sure. There's not many movies I watch more than once. So that, yep. you know, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but right on. What do you got for your next piece? So my next piece is, uh, again, not, it's not going to be a, a film. It's, it's actually a book. Um, okay. Occult's Pendulum by Umberto Eco. Um, Eco is... Uh, was a novelist, Italian novelist, uh, and uh, semiotician. Um, and Foucault's Pendulum, I like to describe as a thinking man's Da Vinci Code. Okay. Uh, from Dan Brown. It's basically a story, and it's been a long time since I've read it, but these three, three uh, guys who 
think they have uncovered, uh, you know, a vast uh, conspiracy uh, that reaches across, you know, politics and religion um, throughout the world. You know, Illuminati kind of stuff, mm. basically. Again, I'm going to spoil the book, but at the end, you read through the book and it's like, it goes out of its way almost to say conspiracy theories need a lot more work in, in you know, real life uh, than actually is going to happen in most cases. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it's, it's hard to pull off an Illuminati type thing without somebody talking about it or, right. you know, we're, we're all human. We all, all have, you know, conversations with family and friends and, you know, drink too much at a bar one night and you tell the whole story. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's hard to do it. But then at the very end of the book, it just, it pulls it all out, the rug out from under you. Mm-hmm. And there was a conspiracy and it almost shatters the fourth wall Mm -hmm. as a a reader or in the case of, of the film as a viewer, uh, not, not in the way like something like Deadpool, um, does where, you know, he talks to the audience, but it's almost like a, a showing, not telling, you know, you have to then go back and think, is it, is it a plot hole? You know, in a, in a few cases, or is it, is it, is that the point? Is it this right. unreality of what we're actually seeing? Yeah. And that's another thing within the movie. There's moments where it seems like reality is kind of tearing. Like you get those like digital effects of like the screen just chopping up for no particular reason. But it seems like, yeah, like reality is kind of falling apart because of the events of the film. Yeah. 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 And th- there are a few like kind of, um oh and right toward the end kind of flashback moments mm-hmm. um that don't necessarily i think m- make sense in a narrative structure mm-hmm. but but again uh create this this mood this feeling and this this yeah shattering of of what you think the story is right right absolutely well you know this actually, I, I haven't heard of this this novel, but um, it sounds like it would have went really well with Under the Silver Lake as well. Which, oh yeah, uh, that's, totally. That's why I love that movie so much. I mean, it's like it's this movie kind of making fun of conspiracy theories, while at the same time just being filled with conspiracy theories for you to wrap your own head around. Yes. you know, and that's uh, that's why I find that movie to be so much fun. Uh, so yeah, that, that's that's great. And then I was actually considering including Da Vinci Code on my puzzle pieces list. This sounds okay. like it's a better version. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it it's 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 not like a casual read. Like it it it, it gets pretty it goes into a deep dive mm-hmm. uh on on a lot of history of of a cult that both pulls from real sources and stuff that Echo just made up. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 a fun read if you're if you're in the mood for it. Right on. Well, I will go to another piece here. Uh, and there, there's a thing with, you know, a lot of people die in this movie and, uh, most of them are made to look like suicides, uh, whether, whether or not they are or aren't, you know, that's kind of some of the secrets that are at play here. But, um, I thought of M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening because of the way this idea is kind of spreading from person to person. And along the way in that movie, everybody ends up killing themselves, like each person who gets that that seed from the happening of whatever the hell the big twist in that movie yeah. was. But, but every, everyone kills themselves once it gets to them. You know, it's something in the air or whatever. But yeah, in this, it, it's kind of like that too. It's this idea is kind of creeping from person to person. And once they get it, they end up killing themselves. Or maybe it's the cult killing them. You know, it, it, it's hard to really say for sure. But that's certainly what we're led to believe as things are unfolding. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think that that totally ties into the secret uh, that you brought up yeah. earlier as well. That sure that that kind of um, manifesting reality through an idea, mm-hmm. and you know, in in this case, it spread. Um, 
and you just talking about that uh, reminded me of of another film, Pontypool. If you're familiar with that, I've never seen it. No, it's it's basically a, a zombie story where zombies get infected by spoken words and understanding of meaning. Oh. Um, and and it, it's set in, uh, this guy is a um, talk radio host. And it, it's pretty much completely set in, in their uh, radio studio. And what you were saying, I, th- I think, totally ties into both that and, and Pontypool and totally would make sense here that the whole idea of this manifesting reality through conversation or ideas, you know, sh- shown in a, in a creative way. Uh, I, I think that's kind of a concept that, that we can talk about, but it's hard to visualize. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that sounds like a really unique concept for a, uh, for a horror film. So I'm going to have to check that one out. I hadn't heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stephen McHattie, um, plays okay. the, the lead there. Right on. Well, I'll go on to another piece, uh, and this goes along with some of the other religious uh, iconography and, and, and all of that that we've been talking about throughout this conversation. Uh, you know, obviously, Da Vinci Code is a great example of that, but um, I thought of Paul Thomas Anderson's The Master, because this cult um, is definitely, I think, drawing some inspiration from the world of Scientology and the idea of this, this modern new religious kind of thing that is spreading from person to person. And, uh, you know, it's getting these just devoutly, like rapturously devout followers, um, despite it seeming from the outside looking in like a very, uh, very strange (laughs) setup. And uh, it's hard, it's kind of hard to imagine why these people all, are you know quick to jump into this thing where the idea is to manifest this demon creature and everybody's just is super on board with it but uh in the same way you know uh a lot of us look at scientology and are just like wow so people are like into this huh um yeah. that's that's surprising you know yeah you know in in this case it's 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 almost like a cosmic horror type of thing like mm-hmm. you know you read um hp lovecraft or, or see some of the the films that have been inspired by his work. Mm-hmm. It is hard to wrap your head around. Yeah. Being in a cult that wants to literally bring about destruction. Yeah. Um, but, it, and the master uh, is, I'll, I'll admit the only PT Anderson film I have not yet seen. So, okay. I'm going to have to go back and it's been on my list for a while. I just, I just haven't, haven't seen it. It's a weird one, and some fantastic performances in there. Definitely, uh, definitely check that out. But I only have one more piece after this. So, uh, what do yeah. you have next? I have, I have uh, one more piece as well. Perfect. That's uh, Angel Heart. That's uh, Mickey Rourke and uh, Robert De Niro. Mickey Rourke plays this private investigator, basically, uh, who, who gets hired by Robert De Niro's character in the film to track down this this missing person and by the end he he finds out that the missing person is actually him Mm. and it's it's this uh flipping from the the protagonist that you know you're watching the movie kind of rooting for to at the end it's it's that whole uh meme are we the baddies you know, right, right, <laughs> and, and this realization that oh, I am the bad guy here. Um, yeah, that that kind of ends with James Badge Dale's character in in the Empty yeah. Man here, realizing that that he is just a construction for the the bad guy. Yeah, no, cl- classic uh, twist in in the kind of detective kind of role. Angel Heart, as well as this, is this very uh, neo noir influenced horror film um, mm-hmm. from you know mid eighties that I think uh, 
a lot of people don't know how to classify well. Um, right. You know, because it has these horror film elements and it has these neo-noir elements. And I, I think it's a fascinating, you know, mashup between, between these two genres. Yeah, absolutely. Great piece. Uh, great final piece there. I will go with my last piece. I, I started it out with Fincher. I'm going to close it out with Fincher. Um, and that, that is Fight Club. Uh, usually when I bring up Fight Club on this podcast, it's because of the whole split personality thing. But here it's more about the cult aspect of of fight club of these these young people who are just like absolutely ready and willing to cause havoc and die for this greater cause and you know that these these people they it's again it this goes right along with what we were just talking about with the master but it's like it's kind of hard to put yourself in those shoes of what exactly they they think they're getting out of out of joining something this crazy right Um, but, but they but they are in they are 100% in and they are creepy as hell that is for sure especially in this movie uh not so much fight club fight club's more weird and fun almost in a in a dark way this is just straight creepy yeah 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 i i think that has to do somewhat of you know the the aesthetic and and the the mood that uh the director is is trying to make and and i mm. think here it very obviously goes to that that super dark place uh whereas fight club and and you know the the group that was there is more disaffected modern people you know living living in in the world and and feeling frustrated yeah you know at 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 the society around them yeah you know you know people people want to find community and even if that's in <laughs> a weird ass cult. Yeah, sometimes that's that's where people go. At least you get to hang out with Stephen Root. So yeah, that, yeah, right. That's always a positive. <laughs> well, I will close this thing out with the finished puzzle, and then we'll get into some uh, closing thoughts here. But for the finished puzzle, we talked about Alien Seven, Ravenous. The Secret and the Law of Attraction, Under the Silver Lake, A Cure for Wellness, Kill List, Candyman, Foucault's Pendulum, The Happening, Pontypool, The Master, Angel Heart, and Fight Club. And uh, just to kick off some closing thoughts, I will mention that when I did that uh, comic concierge podcast I mentioned for the original comic book series, uh, a couple of other things I didn't bring up during this, but I think could potentially still fit uh true detective the series which i think goes kind of right along with uh seven you know for that kind of a thing uh also john carpenter films because of the uh you know kind of uh the creatures and you know that that skeleton thing we talked about earlier and then also event horizon is something that from the original comic i kind of connected it with and then the shining there's a lot more of the main character like kind of losing his mind uh in in the comic and so uh there was there was a little bit of that there i guess you could still see some of that in the film although as we've talked about the film does split paths from the uh from the original comic but i just wanted to kind of throw those out there as other things we could have potentially talked about along the way but uh, do you have any closing thoughts, any uh, main points we didn't get to along the way of talking about puzzle pieces? The only thing, um, and I actually looked this up because uh, quite a few reviews have specifically called out this this very long, you know, introduction, pre-credit mm-hmm. sequence, and, and the length of the film. Uh, so I wanted to look up, and I did, the, the longest pre-credit sequence uh, mm-hmm. In a film uh, is from the last movie, which was directed by Dennis Hopper and okay. featured Chris Christopherson's film debut. Um, okay. That was from 1971. I was going to say uh, Gaspar Noe's climax. That comes in at least, I want to say, 15, 20 minutes in. Okay. I haven't yeah. seen that one yet. Yeah. <laughs> His films, I kind of don't yeah. jump at <laughs> they're, the they're an acquired anymore. taste for sure <laughs> sometimes they're, they're they're hard but yeah okay that that's a good one that is pretty damn interesting and and i would say like to to critics who are like kind of critiquing the idea of of it taking that long with 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 the intro i actually would say that that opening sequence is my favorite part of the movie 
Um, yeah. I, I, I like a lot of what follows and I, 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 I love a movie that really swings for the fences with, with its ideas and, and just really going for it. But that first 20 minutes, just a, as it stands is such a tense and well done, uh, introduction to, to this movie. And I kind of wish maybe if we were going to shorten this thing, maybe some of it would come off of the setting up of the empty man as this urban legend amongst those teenagers. I think that is some of the stuff that to me doesn't quite work as well. So, you know, I don't know. Um, I I guess it's hard to say, you know, who, who knows what would work best, but um, I, as it stands though, I, I, I wish more major studios would give these, these filmmakers with a vision more money like this to, to really just, go for broke and try things like this. Yeah, totally, totally agree. You know, that, that opening sequence almost stands by itself as its own self-contained, you know, short story. Definitely. So you, you, you almost get two stories for, for the price of one. Absolutely. Well, I think that does it uh, for The Empty Man. Is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Sure. Um, I just literally this week uh, saw Life Force for the first time. Oh, I, I don't think I've ever actually seen Life Force. I I always recall the uh, the box art. But... Yeah, Toby Toby Hooper. Yeah, uh, who did you know um, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Poltergeist? It was another film I I watched somewhat specifically for prepping for this as a film that that starts one way and you know 20 minutes into it you're like i'm watching a completely different film than (laughs) than when it started but you know it takes you for a ride and it's it's a lot of fun It, it it has you know some dated special effects uh, but John Dykstra worked on it. Yeah, just 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 a lot of fun as as kind of a throwback movie, yeah. but but new for me. Right on. Yeah, maybe I will uh, get to that one of these days. I, I've I've always been interested in it. I was always intrigued by the uh, the box art for sure. But right on, cool, uh, Daryl. This was great. Why don't you tell people again where they could find you and everything that you're up to? Yeah. Uh, so you can find uh, my writing on film usually. Uh, when I do is at Film Inquiry or Rise Up Daily. Check out the 88 Names podcast. Uh, that's 88 Names on Twitter. That has all the links. And cybershorts.online uh, for our upcoming Cybershorts Film Festival going into our second year. Awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I'm looking forward to that. And I'm hoping to submit something again for next year. So we will see. Oh, uh, that'd be awesome. We'll see. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for uh, for joining me, and maybe we'll get you back again sometime soon. Thanks, David. You got five seconds to tell me where you buried the loot. Oh man, it's great. They got film reviews, recommendations, special guest games. Calm down, calm down. It's there on Spotify and Google Podcast. I mean, it's easy. Thieves Monthly Movie Loot. Check it out. That was a great ad. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I really like that one. I got to redo my ad that I send to other podcasters to uh, to promote piecing it together. I, I like our ad, but um, that's a really good one. I got to do one with a little thought thrown into it like that uh but anyway i hope you enjoyed that conversation about the empty man uh thanks to daryl armstrong for joining me for that one definitely check out everything he's got going on that cyber shorts vr film festival is a really fun fest uh my my music video multiply was in it last year which was a great way to to get my music out there during a uh, crazy pandemic where I can't actually travel to regular film festivals. So it was a very interesting and cool experience. So yeah, check that out. And as always, I want to remind you to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever it is you're listening to podcasts. Also, don't forget, 
to follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. Uh, aside from that, I already told you about the Patreon, but you can, of course, check that out, too, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon. And don't forget to share Piecing It Together with whoever you uh, like sharing podcasts with. You know, per- the, the Patreon is cool. You know, supporting that is wonderful if you want to do that, but the greatest way you can support this podcast is just by simply sharing it because that gets us out in front of all new people and that is what we are trying to do. So uh, before we get to closing this thing out with a piece of music, I do want to mention that last week I put out a new single. It's called Destined for Greatness. I played it at the end of the April trailers episode, so I'll play it again at some point, but I'm not going to end another episode with it. But Destined for Greatness is a brand new single I just released, uh, something to kind of hold everybody over until my next album is ready. But uh, check that out on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you get your music. It's called Destined for Greatness, and I think it's a pretty cool track. So enjoy that. Uh, But right now I'm going to play you out... You know, I could have went with a, a creepy dark song, you know, to go with a movie like The Empty Man. But I was thinking more specifically about that bottle blowing that goes on in the movie. Part of the lore of The Empty Man is you blow into a bottle, make that, that bottle blow sound, and then think about The Empty Man, and then he comes and kills you. So I was thinking, where do I have a song with that kind of bottle blow sound uh, in it? to maybe creep you out after you just watch The Empty Man. Uh, And this song isn't super creepy, but it's got that sound in it, so I figured I'd play it. It's from my latest album, David Rosen. It's called Like Never Before. I really like this track, so hope you enjoy it. And uh, we'll be back with more Piecing It Together coming out real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.